0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to the weekly edition of ESG Now, where we cover how the environment, our society, and corporate governance affects and are affected by our economy. I'm your host, Mike DiCibato, and this week we wanted to give you a break from Facebook news coverage and discussions about the Fat Bear Week winner, Otis, and take you through the ESG of cryptocurrency. This will be our first episode on cryptocurrency, maybe our last, a subject that is exhausting and fascinating in its scope. Hopefully, this won't be the latter. Thanks as always for joining us, stay tuned. There's a disconnect at the moment of what cryptocurrency adherents purport the speculative investment to be an equalizing monetary system that removes essential bureaucracy, and what it currently is. Still, the internet's favorite currency has been around for more than a decade, and it has gone through some substantial changes in that time. For example, Ukraine is making Bitcoin easier to use in its country, and in late September of this year, regulatory authorities in China, one of the cryptocurrencies' hubs, declared all cryptocurrency transactions illegal. Today, we are going to talk about the ESG tenets of cryptocurrencies. And before you rush to shut off this podcast in an attempt to avoid the revolution, let me get one of my guests of today's episode, my colleague Harlan Tufford, to tell you why the exploration of the topic, by us is important. And I promise it's not just because he and the other colleagues of mine just wrote a paper on the subject.
1: What we're seeing here is, you know, what we call in the paper, this creeping exposure to cryptocurrency. And, you know, what we really mean by that is... New crypto exposed companies being added to the indexes driving client investments or established companies, you know, in which an investor already has a position finding new ways to bring cryptocurrency into their existing businesses or, or just coming up with a whole new business on the side that's about cryptocurrency
0: equity investors even those with significant reservations about the highly volatile asset class may be faced with what Harlan just called creeping cryptocurrency exposure in our coverage at the moment there are at least 52 companies that have some sort of exposure to cryptocurrency they represent about 7.1 trillion u.s dollars in market capitalization or around 6.6 percent of the market capitalization we covered just for context. The companies range from the pure play companies like Coinbase and online coin exchange to component manufacturers like Nvidia, a PC gaming company that offers a dedicated graphics processing unit or GPU for professional cryptocurrency miners. There's also companies like Facebook that have no revenue from coins but are exploring ways to monetize the system. Okay so for today I'm going to kind of flip the acronym of ESG and I'm going to start with the governance part and end with the more well-known environmental impacts of the coin. So just a quick note to cryptocurrency enthusiasts listening, our research is focused on identifying the ESG risks of the asset class. We don't discount the asset class as possible ESG opportunities, but we kind of wanted to start off with the risks because that's what we're seeing right now. There may be opportunities in the future. So what we're going to do with governance is we're going to treat crypto as any other industry and a successful form of corporate governance can be seen in what sort of systems are set up to manage a company. You know, the board of directors and the systems to ensure appropriate decisions are being made at the high level. So for this episode... We're mainly going to focus on Bitcoin, the most established of cryptocurrency coins. So who makes the decision on how the Bitcoin system operates?
1: The fact that, you know, a decentralized cryptocurrency like Bitcoin doesn't have any central authority, that doesn't mean there's not governance. Decisions still have to be made. Um and so if you if you really break it down, there's there's two players that uh can really influence the, the strategic direction of Bitcoin at that foundational level of software. You've got developers and you've got miners.
0: Developers are volunteers who contribute to the software underlying Bitcoin. This generally means Bitcoin core the cryptocurrency's most widely used software implementation and miners are people who expend computer processing power and electricity to validate transactions on the bitcoin network and in doing so mine new bitcoins there's also this other thing so validation of bitcoins that's proof of work bitcoins there's also something called proof of stake bitcoins and cryptocurrencies we're not going to get into the distinction there but know that proof of work is a bit more environmentally destructive than proof of stake and i encourage you to read the report if possible to see why
1: between them is this elite group of uh developers that, that we call the maintainers right this is more of an administrative role than anything but these these guys are and they're all men they are the closest thing bitcoin has to abort it's it's arguably the greatest point of centralization of the whole system. These guys control any changes to the software of Bitcoin, the, the software on which Bitcoin runs, and those changes you know, are endorsed by uh, the miners.
0: So all you coiners out there might be thinking, I thought Bitcoin is controlled by users around the world. Well, the asset class is indeed controlled by everyone, but the software is not. Changes to Bitcoin Core involve discussion, testing, and peer review by other developers. Ultimately, though... Any changes must be approved by these maintainers. The only people with the authority to make final changes to the production version of Bitcoin course code. If the miners don't like a change made to the software, they can leave and create a software fork, which is a separate parallel version of the software to be independently maintained, updated, and distributed by other maintainers. That has actually happened. An example of which is Bitcoin Cash, which forked from the mainstream Bitcoin in 2017 in response to a disagreement agreement over technical aspects of the Bitcoin blockchain. So who are these maintainers for Bitcoin, the Bitcoin board? Well Harlan and his fellow authors found their names in various databases and put them in the report. There is W.J. Vanderlane from the Netherlands, Samuel Dobson from New Zealand, Marco Falk from an unknown location, Michael Ford from Australia, Jonas Schnelly from Switzerland. Hennady Stepanov from Ukraine, and Peter Woolley from the U.S. The big governance risk here with this board compared to a board of a public traded company is the lack of transparency.
1: So if we looked at a corporate board and looked at all the directors there, we benefit from disclosure um, in most markets. Disclosures talking about, you know, where these directors got money uh, and and any of their relationships that might compromise their independence in being able to act in the very best interests of the corporation. With cryptocurrencies, we don't have any of that, and and there's the whole legal regime of fiduciary duty doesn't really exist. Um, what we have are what companies have disclosed in news releases and things like that, and we can see that companies are paying these uh, these developers um, to be developers, and maybe that's fine or maybe they're acting in the best interest of the company uh, rather than the cryptocurrency as a whole and maybe that's fine too. Again, we don't have the fiduciary duty relationship here. This is this is as the chair of the SEC has said, this is the wild west.
0: That's true, but there's always a bit of a trickle of information that comes out about these bitcoin maintainers. Some actors in the bitcoin financial ecosystem have disclosed grants that they've gotten. Chanelli received 96,000 US dollars from mining company Marathon Patent Group. Stepanov received a grant of unspecified value from CardCoins, a company that trades Bitcoin for prepaid gift cards, and Payvant, a payment processing company. Ford received three grants from 100X Group, the parent of cryptocurrency exchange BitMEX, totaling in $250,000 U.S. Dollars in value. And Falk received a grant of unspecified value in 2020 from OKCoin, a cryptocurrency exchange. So there's a bit of an opaqueness on this overriding board for Bitcoin. But what about the other half of the governance structure for cryptocurrencies, the miners?
1: You know, anyone could be a miner. You or I, you or I could start mining Bitcoin, and we wouldn't make a dime probably if we did, because the scale of this thing has become so industrial. Um, and they, you know, in effect, they endorse the decisions um, that the developers uh, that the developers make and the maintainers approve um, by running the software they put out on their hardware. If uh, one miner. Uh, disagrees with an update that's been uh, put forward by the developers and approved by the maintainers. They could choose not to run it, and it doesn't matter if one miner does it. But if all of them do, then that's 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 a, a rejection of the code. And you know, all of the, all of this is is just part of an incredibly complex dynamic and informal governance structure. And companies that are playing in this this school yard need to know the rules they need to be following uh what these conversations are about and what's being said directors who are knowledgeable about cryptocurrency in 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 any serious way and about it's it's the financial realities of it they are they are few in number and in high demand um and they're probably not in your director pipeline uh, and then on the, the flip side of that is the, the, the IT cybersecurity side, right? Like, that's the oper- operationalization of your strategy, right? Uh, how you actually implement this thing. And you go from, like, really simple questions start to become really tricky here. Like, who in the company knows the passkey to access your private anonymous wallet that stores, you know, a billion dollars in Bitcoin? And how do you monitor that, Right. Um, these, these, these seem like simple questions, but they get quite tricky. And again, like cybersecurity is one of the most in demand skills in the boardroom these days. So with both of these things, you've got a shared solution and it really boils down to the old, uh, you know, buy or build question, right? Do you buy it or do you build it? And you can build it. What that means is just director education and generally directors are hired for what they already know, not what they're going to learn. Um, and you might have some luck uh, educating directors on uh, on cryptocurrency and getting them to ask good questions about it. But for really substantial exposure, I think companies need to find uh, new ways to recruit directors and, and new pipelines for directors and what that might have as a knock-on effect of improving some aspect of board diversity. And I'm thinking particularly about director age there.
0: To Harlan's point, we used a keyword search for directors under our coverage and found that out of the around 6,500 people on boards, only 79 had cryptocurrency or blockchain expertise, and a little more than 1,000 had cybersecurity expertise. The rest had generic terms like risk management in their bios. This complexification of the simple with crypto is also seen in another aspect of corporate governance, how companies pay their taxes. Corporate tax is becoming a massive risk for companies. Governments across the world are trying to figure out how to best deal with loopholes in the global tax code. And there seems to be a massive leak of documents every quarter that show how the uber-wealthy avoid any taxation on their wealth. And concern around how to ensure there's tax transparency or businesses trading or investing in cryptocurrencies is definitely on the rise. So to talk about this, I called up a co-author of Harlan's, Aura Todor, and asked her to tell me about how companies are dealing with cryptocurrency and taxation
2: these transactions are generally anonymous. So that uh, may mean that they can be used as a way to shield income from tax authorities. Um, and it's also that reporting requirements and rules are not, not very clear across jurisdictions. So exchanges and businesses may under-report their income that um, comes from cryptocurrencies. Um, and obviously, income that is not reported is also not taxed. Um, and... To improve tax compliance, we might need stronger reporting standards. And these regulations are strengthening. So, for example, uh, the UK and Australia, they they tax um, capital gains. They have a capital gains tax on cryptocurrency. Um, also in the UK now, there is a new law uh, that you have to report holdings of um, uh, at least £5,000 worth of cryptocurrencies. The Biden administration is also talking about doing the same thing but with a threshold of $10,000. Um, but uh, i imagine that enforcing and supervising the implementation of these rules may be quite challenging for regulators and would require a lot of resources
0: this would also require accounting firms to provide guidance on how to treat crypto currently neither the international financial reporting standards aka the ifrs nor the u.s generally accepted accounting principles aka gap include rules that specifically address cryptocurrencies they provide opinions that say, depending on the circumstances, cryptocurrencies should be accounted for as either an intangible asset or an inventory. And some companies have filed this. For example, Tesla accounted for its Bitcoin stake as an indefinite, lived, intangible asset that can be impaired. But Tesla is really the only example we've got. And as Harlan noted, it's not like these boards we looked at are replete with crypto experts. That goes double for their tax audit committee. So risks may loom unseen unless there's some guidance and there's some more expertise that are brought on board there are some other governance risks that i'm not really going to touch on here for example money laundering since crypto is hard to trace many have worried that it would be easy to use the system for money laundering but a report by chain analysis group found that only 1.1 percent of the more than 1 trillion us dollars in cryptocurrency transactions in 2019 were tied to illicit activities. And the abuse of the system by bad actors is nothing new in the financial world, but there are some unique social risks for crypto, the S risks in ESG. One of the main ones in Aurea's mind is the risks of volatility posed not only to professional investors, but to retail investors. Many of which have flocked to crypto spurred on by the possibility of getting rich off the market's precipitous rise over the last two years.
2: So it's widely known that um, cryptocurrencies are a very volatile asset class, and that means that it's not suitable for all investors as an investment. And while institutional investors may understand the risks associated with this asset class, um, less sophisticated retail investors may not. And um, crypto trading platforms should make sure that they have appropriate consumer protection policies in place. Ideally, retail investors should not see aggressive ads on their trading app asking them to buy more crypto. Um, and best practices would be to um, assess an individual's personal circumstances, risk appetite, um, level of understanding of the risk that cryptocurrencies involve, and um, even capping the amounts of funds that can be invested in crypto that uh, these are or some solutions uh, that uh, the platforms can have in place to to protect consumers.
0: Those systems aren't really in place at the moment. If I log onto Coinbase right now, I can put around $35,000 into a cryptocurrency. This is similar to any other stock brokerage site, but the difference is the swing in value. Coins can move in ways that defy logic, moving in spurts of a thousand percent in hours. The societal risk here for investors and for companies is that wealth can be wiped out in a short burst. Though that's sort of it on the social risks. There are other aspects like transaction disputes, But the big one is that investor protections aren't really in place yet for the asset class. So let's now move on to, I think, the most well-discussed part of cryptocurrencies in the ESG world, their environmental impact. There is an environmental problem with Bitcoin that has been well-discussed. Depending on the location of the mining facilities, some estimates find that Bitcoin mining creates around 69.8 metric tons of carbon dioxide per year, which would rank Bitcoin's emissions near those of Greece. But this all depends on the energy mix of where those facilities are. It used to be that 75% of them were in China. That is no longer going to be the case due to the ban in late September. So we have to kind of see where all these places move. Iceland has a nearly a thousand percent renewable grid which along with its chilly climate has made it an attractive location for bitcoin mining farms remember those servers get really hot but there are concerns that the electricity demand from these operations could exceed the country's capacity which is another problem the taxing of local grids to mine these coins if investors are worried about this there are some engagement and resolutions that we think are useful like incentivizing companies that engage in mining to use renewable energy. energy sources, encouraging cryptocurrency exposed companies to embrace less greenhouse gas-intensive cryptocurrencies, and to mitigate past or future emissions with offsetting projects. But this won't help a less-reported-on environmental issue with cryptocurrencies, and that is the electronic waste component. To talk about that, I called up my colleague Yu Ishiara, another co-author with Aura and Harlan, and I asked him what he thought about the concerns around e-waste. A lot
3: of this has to do with the increasing complexity of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and the mining which has led to the development of increasingly specialized equipment just for mining purposes. And you know, these days, most mining is done on specialized hardware designed exclusively for cryptocurrency mining, and it really can't be repurposed for other usage. You know, And mining profitability can be a function of the Bitcoin price. So significant swings in the price of Bitcoin could lead to big swings in demand, but also disposal for these special circuits, which, you know, again, ultimately could end up in landfills, leading to chemical or pollutant releases into the environment.
0: There's also the problem of who is accountable for those emissions. Hypothetically, an investor has nevita in their portfolio nevita is a maker of mining gpus that we talked about earlier does that mean that this investor now has those emissions as part of Nvidia's scope 3 category on its portfolio and does that then mean that nevita will have to figure out how to lower the emissions of the disparate cryptocurrency ecosystem in order to lower their overall company emissions
3: well whether it's considered scope three emissions, I mean, there are certain there are definitely categories that it could be considered. It could be, you know, Category 11 use of product, um, use of products sold. It could be in a separate category, which is, you know, directly related to investments that they've made if they actually own the cryptocurrency or they're involved in the mining themselves. It may not necessarily even be scope three. It could be considered scope one, depending on the size and direct purpose of the of the business. But, you know, ultimately the risk for investors. Um, And I mean that I don't mean crypto investors necessarily, but I mean equity debt or non-direct crypto investors, um, especially those that have uh, sustainability mandates, you know, is that they could face pressure to report higher greenhouse gas emissions associated with their portfolio, whether it's scope one or three, you know, that come from mining or companies that are exposed to cryptocurrencies. And ultimately, again, these portfolios and uh, their managers, they would need to engage these companies on, you know, efforts to embrace, embrace, you know, less greenhouse gas intensive cryptocurrency mining promote more renewable energy, understand their, you know, policies for disposal of electronic waste, and and just be aware of, you know, the exposures that these companies inherently may have through cryptocurrency mining or holdings of cryptocurrencies.
0: These also aren't small companies that are now exposed to cryptocurrencies, so it's to be seen how they're going to actually respond as the market for crypto matures. At the back of the report, Harlan, Aura, you, and their other co authors, C.U. Liu and Nigel Fletcher, list the companies that in some way have exposure to cryptocurrency. And many are corporate giants like JP Morgan, Microsoft, and bny Mellon. All companies rated at an A or higher on ESG by us and held widely in indexes and portfolios. And really, that is the main concern of their paper. I talked about cryptocurrency as though it is a small investor concern, but massive institutions, pension plans worth billions, may be experiencing a creeping exposure to cryptocurrency, through their existing portfolios. This is a similar concept to that of unintended bias, an index investing situation where an attempt to construct a portfolio with certain qualities inadvertently results in over or underweighting other factors. And as we described, the factors associated with cryptocurrencies are yet to be understood. And that's it for the week. I want to thank Harlan and Aura and you for talking to me about cryptocurrency with an ESG twist. And I want to also thank CU and Nigel for a great job on their paper and letting me use it to pretend it's my own. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate and review us. That pushes us up on the podcast ratings. That's always good for me at my job. And if you liked what you heard, subscribe and you can hear me every week. Thanks again and talk to you soon.